Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. They're Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell from Dogs 24-7. And uh, rare territory here, unfamiliar territory here for Georgia. Bulldogs lose 44-28 to uh, in Jacksonville against Florida. Uh, all of a sudden, Georgia's not in control of its own destiny in the regular season for the first time since 2016. It's uh, it's not a place where Georgia's been a whole lot. Three straight wins over Florida. That that streak is snapped. We're going to talk about that, but there was a reason we decided to kind of do a little something different uh, with this show. Waiting till you know we did this last Monday too. That was more of a of a you know getting schedules lined up thing. But we waited intentionally this time. Wanted to hear what give every give Kirby Smart every chance to talk about kind of what was going on, so that we could kind of respond to it. And lo and behold. Um, we, we've got a little something to talk about with the quarterback situation. Stetson Bennett suffers an injury in that game, and, and I do want to talk about that a little bit and kind of how he looked before the injury, how he looked after the injury. Um, but, but with Stetson Bennett dealing with an AC sprain, unclear if he's going to be able to go against Missouri or not, all of a sudden, Dwan Mathis, who played the second half against Florida, uh, JT Daniels and Carson Beck are going to get a longer look. Kirby said they're going to get all three guys ready to play, and Rusty going to go to you first here, man. Um, you know, that's – obviously, I don't want to say big news, but that's news. And uh, could be JT Daniels' chance, especially considering how Dewan Mathis started and and uh, this quarterback situation seems to kind of have taken a little bit of a turn here with four games left to go in the regular season. Yeah, I mean, you look at this, and I thought uh, my little final thoughts on the game – uh, yesterday, and you look at the rest of the Georgia schedule, and I say within confidence that Georgia can win those games. They're going to score some points, but defensively, those are teams that Georgia is very capable of absolutely suffocating what we've seen in other uh, tight matchups with them. Georgia's not going to face an elite offense. They're going to face one that throws it around a little bit with Mississippi State, but uh, South Carolina's struggling right now. Vandy's struggling right now. Uh, Missouri's had some spots where they've played well, but offensively, you know, not a juggernaut in any terms. Uh, but I think, you know, if you're going to look at some things, finishing this season off with five games, heading into an offseason, still not mathematically out of but you need a lot of help to get to this SEC championship game. Now you're two games behind Florida. This is a game. Uh, you got an injury to Stetson Bennett, whether he plays or not, not sure. But this is a time to say, look, let's see what JT Daniels can do in a game. Let's see what he can do. Let's get some Dewan Mathis, some more reps. Um, it's time. You know, we've got a sample size of Stetson Bennett, and we've got a sample size of Dewan Mathis a little bit. Not quite as much as Stetson Bennett, but we've got a, a sample size of, of Dewan Mathis in some games. It's time to see how things flow with JT Daniels. And I'm not saying things are going to change, but in my opinion, this is a great opportunity for Georgia to get him some live reps and let's see what he can do in an SEC football game. And that's probably, in my opinion, you'll get to see him at some point on Saturday against Missouri. And obviously this is Rusty talking kind of like a – projection right i mean this is monday they haven't even hit the practice field yet and listen it's not a it's not a i'm predicting i'm just saying in my opinion for me speaking on behalf answering that question i think it's time to see what jt daniels can do 
have no clue if that guy's playing this weekend or not. Be clear on that. But to say where we are, this is a perfect opportunity. I think the better answer to that, Jake, this is a perfect opportunity to put him in because they're not going to have to outscore Missouri in a 45-40 to 40 game. This is a game I think that Georgia can win, and I think they can win and they could, they could, they could uh, overcome a couple of turnovers if that happens. I think this is a good opportunity to see JT Daniels. May not play at all. But to answer that question, this would be an opportune time to see what you got in that kid. Okay, I'm going to go Peyton Manning here. I'm going to go Omaha, Omaha, Audible, just a second, all right? Um, because I'm going to ask Kip a specific question. Um, and and sorry I didn't set you up with this, Rusty, but but I think this is a pretty good one. I'm going to pat myself on the back a little bit here. Uh, Kip, you're looking at this Missouri game, taking what Rusty had to say there and, and what you know about Missouri. Is this a game where you go in it prepared to play all, you know, three, four quarterbacks, you know, two quarterbacks, whatever, uh, you know, you go in prepared to play more than one just to kind of see what you've got there because you know that that uh, you're not going to be in a shootout? It's an interesting spot because, you know, mathematically, Georgia's not eliminated, obviously, from the SEC East. They need a lot of help. They need Florida to lose multiple games, which at this point I'll say it's more likely that's not going to happen. But you, you still – you have to play the game – to win you can't treat this like a scrimmage but at the same time i mean it's it's time for evaluation and big picture you're not just looking ahead to 2021 but you're looking to see who's going to put george in the best situation for next year and i think really that's kind of what you need to start doing this week at least in practice you need to take a long look at the quarterback position i mean we've seen enough of stetson bennett and Really, for now, we, we, we've we seen enough of Dewan Mathis, too. I think, you know, he should still t- get snaps, but there are other quarterbacks on this roster that you need to take a long look at and and, and see what they're going to give you and also what your offensive identity is going to be for this offseason. And so if, if you're going to start tinkering with anything, now is the time to do it because I think we've been given enough film to know that the two quarterbacks who have put, taken snaps for Georgia this season just have not been accurate enough. There's too many plays being just left on the field. And Todd Monken's offense, I mean, we saw, we've saw we seen plenty of guys that were open in these last two losses, the last three games really, that you know the ball is just not getting there and the right decisions are not being made. So in my opinion, I, I mean, I think you, you take this week to – to get your other two quarterbacks as ready as possible. And I think – I don't know if you just give them even playing time, but I think you have a plan in place to get both those guys on the field as much as possible and start auditioning for this position at least to let you know heading into the offseason exactly what you have, who can execute, who can be accurate. I mean, the whole program, you're going to have to evaluate what you're doing right now because in these big games against elite teams, the formula is not working right now. Now, granted, they're not working with their full roster, but you have to prepare for situations like that. And Georgia was not ready for for that. The the lack of depth at quarterback, you know, at other positions kind of showed itself in, in this last loss. And so I think, yeah. I think that quarterback position, you have to let the other guys have a chance regardless of, of what you've seen in practice. And I think, I mean, each time we've heard, you know, Kirby speak, I think it's been clear that 
what he's seen in practice is that the other two quarterbacks were looking the best during the week that Dwan Mathis and Stetson Bennett were the his two best quarterbacks in practice but you kind of have to throw that out the window now we've seen them in actual games and the quarterback play has has not been near what it should be for the kind of roster Georgia has built and the kind of expectations they have so Whatever JT or, or, you know, even even Carson, if they're turning the ball over in practice, you just – I mean, you need to get them as many reps as possible and, and try to develop them and just just see what they can give you because if they have the better arm talent, then I think you take the possibility uh, of, of the turnovers and, and you roll with it just knowing that if you're trying to push the ball downfield, these guys might be able to do a better job of it, which is kind of – what Georgia, one of the many things Georgia's lacked offensively for the last couple of years and what they've been trying to find uh, to be able to, com- you know, to compete with the Alabama, the Florida, the LSU o- offense last season, those offenses have the ability to, to really stretch the field and, and Georgia just doesn't have that right now. All right. Not going to go a deep dive into this, but you heard this a lot last year. It can't get any worse. Uh, when Jake Fromm had five games where he completed under 50% of his passes. Uh, quietly, Jake Fromm threw 15 touchdowns and two interceptions in the final seven games last year. And in those five games where he was under 50%, he was 11 touchdowns and two interceptions. Um, it got worse, okay? I'm going to say right now it can't get much worse than what we saw Saturday against Florida. I don't think it can get much worse than it was against – Kentucky, I mean, guys, let's just call it what it is. Georgia's thrown, thrown, what is it, eight interceptions in three games? Yeah, it's eight. Eight interceptions in three games. So, um, if JT Daniels goes out there and throws you one or Carson Beck goes out there and throws you one or Dewan Mathis gets the start and goes out there and throws you a couple, I mean, you, you kind of got to live with it because nobody has, that has played thus far has shown you they're just going to value the football and not throw any. And, and, and listen – I thought whenever I saw that, whenever I saw Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint, and amazingly, he's going to make a full recovery after that ankle injury. It was a dislocation and a fracture, and he had surgery on it, and everything's going to be fine as far as he goes long term. That's a really good thing. It's going to be in some good hands there with Ron Corson. And I hate that he'll always remember the first touchdown of his career as the one where he suffered a, an injury that, that made most of us nauseous. But when I saw him break open and Stetson Bennett hit him in stride and that touchdown, I thought to myself for a second, wait a minute, did, did, is Georgia going to get Auburn, Stetson Bennett here? So, you know, I do think that, that Stetson Bennett has shown you that he, can, that he can play at a pretty decently high level. I, I'm not going to say a, a super high level. I think for any SEC team out there, if you've got a guy like Stetson Bennett on your bench, probably as your number three quarterback, maybe as your number two quarterback, that's a pretty decent spot for him to be in. I don't think you feel unfortunate there. I don't necessarily know that you're feeling great about him being your starter because he's shown so many inconsistencies. Um, but it can get worse. I mean, it can't get worse than what we've seen, you know, with an unhealthy Stetson Bennett and and the struggles from Dewan Mathis. And, you know, I still would like to see what Dewan Mathis can do to run his offense, but he doesn't look ready based on the small sample size we've seen. And, you know, you, you have to think that if JT Daniels is going to get his shot, he's going to have a lot of experience to call upon. Now, one of the things we've continued to deal with with this JT Daniels thing is 
when you say he may not be ready or may not be himself, everybody wants to say, well, he's not still injured. Kirby says he's not still injured. Nobody's saying he's still injured. You can be 100% medically cleared at a very low risk or no higher risk than you normally would be of re-injuring yourself and just not being yourself. I mean, there's a reason that that when a defensive back or a linebacker, running back, or an offensive lineman comes back from from just a basic ACL injury, there are a lot of 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 uh, physical therapists and medical professionals that'll tell you it's probably going to be 18 months, maybe 24 months before they're completely back to their self, mentally, physically, all of that stuff. Well, that applies here with JT Daniels, and it was much more severe than just an ACL. Um, I believe Greg Biggins uh, on this very podcast uh, alluded to the fact that it was almost a complete blowout of the knee. He had a second surgery to to kind of repair it again. Who knows what kind of minor little setbacks he's had, tweaks and turns and tightness and swelling and all that stuff. So, you know, uh, there's there's this mindset out there that if JT Daniels hasn't beaten out Stetson Bennett or hasn't beaten out Dwan Mathis yet, that you know what? He's just not good. And that may be true for right now. He may not be a very good version of himself right now, but there's no reason to think that, that that's just got to be it forever because he, the further removed he gets from this injury, the better he's going to get. And Kirby Smart keeps alluding to the mobility thing, and, and that makes me think maybe some quickness was lost or maybe some, some confidence and, and some footwork or something like that is going on here. But I don't think there's any reason to think right now that he's his best self. And, and, and you know, you, you run him out there, and, and maybe he takes a couple hits or two. See, he still hasn't taken a hit since the one that, that shut his 2019 season down. So that's a big thing for him. Maybe he goes out there and takes one off the edge on the first couple, two or three plays of the game if he gets a chance to play. And then he's like, well, wait a minute. And, that, and maybe that makes him better. You just never really know how these guys are going to react. And, um, you know, I'm interested to see how it plays out. Well, we're definitely going to, you know, keep our ear to the ground, try to find out who's taking number one reps. Uh, you know, I'll say this about Monday's practice. It's, it's basically a walkthrough correction of what happened against Florida and uh, that we're going to transition right into Florida after this. But it's basically a correction of what went wrong against the Gators on offense and defense, and they they fix all of that stuff, do a little bit of light preparation, um, start putting some stuff in for the for the upcoming opponent, which is Missouri. And then Tuesday and Wednesday, it's full bore, full pads, full contact. Um, you know, they they thud the running backs and, and receivers and everything. Quarterbacks don't get hit at all, but – for the guys in the trenches, it's an all-out war. Those practices are really physical, and we'll learn a lot more about who's going to play quarterback for for Georgia then. But, Rusty, let's get into this Florida game. One big takeaway, man. What you got? Uh, one. <laughs> I'll go defensively. Look, you know, Georgia banged up. Um, banged up, missing some key guys. I think we'd all, if I'd have told all everybody here two weeks ago, Georgia would have played Florida without basically Lewis Seen, Rich LeCount, uh, Jordan Davis, that you would have said slim to no chance, probably, or very slim chance. And I know the quarterback play. I know every discussion there, and rightfully so, that is dominating the news. But you want to peel things back a little bit, and Georgia got carved up. And, and Georgia could not – uh, cover the backs. They couldn't cover the wide receivers. Um, Tyson Campbell was, again, he was in great, I thought, great phase. I thought he had great coverage on Kyle Pitts. 
Florida had a better athlete than anybody Georgia had and Kyle Pitts. And when Kyle Pitts got hurt, things slowed down. Had Kyle Pitts not got hurt, I don't know how many points Florida scores because Georgia don't have an answer for him. We didn't know if they had an answer going in. Tyreek Stevenson got his hands on him, mistimed his jump a little bit. But you know what? It was an athlete making a play, and Kyle Pitts was a better athlete than anybody Georgia had. Uh, their running backs were were faster than, than I even thought. Um, and I still – Georgia decided, to me, to try to rush four. I think they thought their defensive ends could pressure uh, without having to bring an extra guy, and then they brought an extra guy in the second half. Caused a little bit, but I think Florida took the foot off the gas a little early, and when losing Kyle Pitts, they're not the same team, obviously. But, man – um, when you look at Georgia last two games against Alabama and Florida, which I would consider elite offenses, both of them, uh, for Kyle Trask, certainly as good as advertised. He looked comfortable, never looked rattled. He threw a pick six, but it was a hell of a play by Stokes. I think the wide receiver ran the wrong route and brought Stokes into the play. Very instinctive play there. Um, late in the game, they got him a little bit on that pick six. Should have been a pick six, and Mark Webb drops it. But look, man. You got to tip your cap sometimes, and Florida was the better team on Saturday. I think they're probably the better team right now. And man, offensively, they they are they're a problem because they force you to cover them all over the field. Uh, Damian Pierce, very tough, very tough to get to the ground. I thought that was probably the biggest surprise. Georgia had problems getting him down, uh, creating extra yards after first contact. I mean. I was impressed, and, and if I'm Georgia, I'm a little worried about how we looked against two elite offenses because, you know, they 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 were not ever threatening of shutting either one of those teams down. Yeah, and I'll say this, Rusty. I don't think Georgia played well defensively against either one of those teams, and I think if it does, obviously it does a better job, but you know, none of that matters now because, you know, I, I would go defense too on my biggest takeaway, and and to me – after hearing Kirby speak, it kind of confirmed what I saw when I saw it the second time was that it wasn't the inexperience showing through on all those running backs. I mean, the running backs had like 10 catches for over 200 yards, man. And, 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 and a lot of those were just pitch and catch. I mean, Trask laid a couple of them in there and, you know, credit Jermaine Johnson. I think he's basically the only running, only linebacker that had tight coverage on any of those, decent coverage on any of those. And he was in a mismatch with a running back uh, peeled off on a, on a wheel route. But, um, you know, Georgia just – I don't want to call them turndowns because, you know, a turndown is when you turn down taking on a block or you turn down try to take on a – a run or a defensive back turning down, trying to make a tackle with a running back with a full head of steam. They weren't turndowns. They were just misses. And you saw Mark Webb uh, completely miss on a tight end that, that got wide open on a wheel route. Uh, you know, it happened with running back. I mean, Georgia would get them behind the chains. There was a false start on one occasion. Georgia threw Kadarius Tony for a loss on another first down. Uh, maybe a couple of first downs. Florida came right back to the wheel route, got it all back. And that, that, that had to be demoralizing. And, uh, you know, yeah, Kyle Pitts – Kyle Pitts went out. Florida had some more success in the first half, but didn't have a whole lot in the second half. Georgia, I, I, I do think Georgia adjusted and played a little better in the second half, but um, you know, ultimately not having Pitts was probably a big factor in that game. And, and I'll say this: uh, one of my one of my bigger takeaways is Georgia kept fighting and and blew several opportunities to get back in that game. 
I mean, I would say at least four. Uh, but uh, I, I, I kept saying it was 41 to 28, Jake. And, yep. it was, and I know you average about three possessions per quarter. Maybe you get a fourth if it's a turnover. It was 41 to 28, and Georgia had three possessions left. They just couldn't get anything going. Florida, yep. Florida took the foot off the gas almost way too early. Yeah, and, and I got the feeling – I don't know if either of you got this, but I saw – I got the feeling that Monk, that uh, Dan Mullen um, – and, and I don't blame him for this – that he wanted to be able to say after the game that after the offense had a little bit of a lull, that they got back to what they were doing and the rest was history uh, because they went back to throwing the football. I mean, they came out on first down after one of those drives and started – and slinging around, then I believe it was on second down is when he threw it right to Mark Webb, who dropped it, and, and that would have been a pick six that would have taken Georgia to within six points. And then then Mullen didn't just take his foot off the gas. He hit the brakes and grabbed the knife and, and punched it in the football and started wanting to let the air out of it a little bit. Uh, but but that, that Georgia kept fighting, and I think that was a good sign. You, you didn't see any quitting that team. And I've seen a lot of college football teams quit in, in less – adverse situations this year uh, than, than, than what George was in Saturday. So I think that's a, that's a, probably one of your more positive takeaways from that game. Uh, Kit, was there anything that stood out to you? You guys kind of covered all of it. It's, it's really – I took from that game is just the missed opportunities mounted up. It was insurmountable. Uh, I mean, you mentioned that Mark, Mark Webb dropped pick six. I mean, that would have – I mean, that would have put him right back in the game. It, the the miss the the miss throws. I mean, Karis Jackson was wide open down the middle of the field, and and Stetson Bennett misses him. Uh, Bennett uh, also missed him. Uh, Matt Landers uh, going down the middle of the field that would have been a touchdown. He overthrew him. Um, Jermaine Burton, I remember he was wide open and had a pass go over his head. And then when Dwan Mathis came in, I mean that 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 ball to Demetrius Robertson, uh, that that was a tough one. I mean, overthrowing Demetrius Robertson, uh, Demetrius hadn't really been been playing a lot the last couple of games, but increased snaps obviously due to injuries. And I mean, the route was fine. He he got open, and, and you know the ball was just sailed over him. And then you also had Darnell Washington going across the middle as well, and it, you know that he threw a contested deep ball to him and uh you know darnell and and john fitzpatrick i mean tough drops by both of those guys as well in the game it's just you can't make these kinds of mental mistakes and win a game that's so tightly contested between the two teams and you knew you knew georgia was in for a long day when i mean maybe the best punter in the country once again just has one of those those tough games, it's, it's the kind of game that he hadn't had since last season where he just shanked a couple balls, Real, really tough situations that he put George in with a couple of those, those uh, you know, those, those short punts, very inopportune times for, for both of them to happen. I, I just think overall this was a game as, as bad as the outcome looked and as bad as it, you know, it was at times in that game, Georgia still had a chance to – to tie or win this game late in the game and throughout the game, they just they left points on the field, and it's just something where, I mean, you have to go back and and, and evaluate everything. Like I said, and these are mental mistakes you have to overcome. It's it's one thing to you know injuries mount up and 
that's not an excuse. It's a reality. Um, you, you can't always expect the next guy to, to play at the same level. Uh, but the guys that were out there and were healthy, you know, again, made mistakes that, that really put Georgia behind the eight ball a lot. And, and I think it just it, it caught up to him in this game and it, it caught up to him in the last game. I think you, you have to go back to the drawing board on both sides of the ball just because, I mean, looking looking at the the last four elite offenses Georgia has faced, I mean, you go back to that 2018 SEC championship game against Alabama and last year's SEC championship game, these two losses this year, I mean, Georgia's defense has given up an average of like 403, 404 yards a game, I think 39 points a game in those four losses. And the offense is it's, – it's been under 21 points a game in those games and well under 400 yards per game. I think it's like 350, 354, somewhere in that range. So, I mean, Georgia's done a, uh, a good job of beating the teams where they have the clear talent advantage – but there are some things they need to work on when they're playing the, the other elite teams. And I think that's, that's what the focus needs to be moving forward. But that's kind of what I took from, from this game is that, you know, there, there were plays left on the field and you gotta, you gotta get back and practice and, and work on that. And I mean, they have plenty of film to work on now moving forward and they can work on getting better for, for the end of this year and going into next year. I'll say this about offense, and and I still don't believe it's the only way to win, and I still say it's the best way to win, but the big role reversal in college football now is that you've got to have great offense to make sure you keep yourself in every ball game, because even if you've got great defense and a great offense comes out with a great plan and it jumps all over you, you've got to be able to keep up because that just it's it's not going to happen. I mean, it it probably will a time or two. But great defense is just not going to stymie great offense at a very high clip anymore. And, uh, and that's just the way it is. So, you know, if you're Kirby Smart, if you're Georgia, you got to figure out a way to uh, become a, an offense that can just put up points on folks. And I know that everybody thinks it's through the passing game, and a large part, part of it is, and having a great quarterback, all of that plays in because it's tough to run the ball effectively when you can't push the ball downfield. But – um, you know, I think we're we're kind of learning, and and some had already learned. And kudos to those people who got there first. Uh, that that you got to have great offense to keep yourself in every ball game. You've got to have the ability to keep up in a shootout because those are going to happen in the sport today. All right, let's take a break real quick. On the other side, we're going to talk about where Georgia goes from here. This is Tony Kornheiser show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Rusty, starting with you, man. What's what's on the agenda this week? What's the number one thing Georgia has to get done uh, to not just for Missouri, but for the rest of the season? Uh, you're going to find out a lot about Georgia this week, because like you started the uh, podcast with, this is a different territory for Georgia. They're almost they're not eliminated, but they they got a big hole to climb out of, and they need they need you know they need some help from, from other teams. They don't control their own destiny. 
to get to Atlanta, all that kind of things. You know, had a bad South Carolina loss last year, two years ago. They got whipped up pretty bad at LSU, but we were quick to point out if you handle the rest of your business, you'll end up in Atlanta. Well, they they can't handle their business. They need help. So you find out this week, certainly in a different year in 2020, so many kids have opted out all over the country and did different things. You know, some teams aren't even playing until the spring at some of the lower levels. So you're kind of going to find out. You know, you're kind of going to find out who's who's in, um, who wants to who wants to put their foot down and get to work. You're going to find out uh, some new guys and and probably get some some different younger kids in some scenarios. Uh, interested to see if Arian Smith uh, gets in a rotation now with some injuries, man. Georgia banged up George Pickens. Does he come back or not? Where's he at in this thing? So um, I, I think it's just kind of a, a, a what you call a man check this week. Who who's really here to play? Um, who can push on for the rest of the year? Because you you know you could finish eight and two and go to a pretty good bowl game. Maybe even have a chance to get to the New Year's Day six, regardless, which would be another you know big kind of accomplishment. That's not the ultimate goal, University of Georgia, but you can still finish this year off strong. And, you know, these next four games are going to say a lot. But just knowing, you know, knowing some of these guys and knowing some of this staff and and kind of putting myself into their shoes this week, I, I kind of know what's going on. It's going to be one of those gut check weeks where we find out who's really in. You know, is some of these seniors going to tap because they know it's it? Will some of these juniors tap knowing that, you know, hey, I'm, I'm probably going to go to the league. I'm going to try not to get hurt in the next couple of weeks. I'm going to try to just cruise through and get here. All those questions will be answered. Big game this week, uh, probably with a quarterback situation now. Uh, we're kind of, you know, not real sure what's going to happen. I'm sure a lot more eyes will be on this game. It's a noon, it's an 11 a.m. game there. You know, you, you kind of find out and, and say this, you know, I think Kirby Smart's four and three now or four and two. Maybe I have to go back and check in these noon games. So, you know, it's had some upsets there. It's had some upsets at, at times at those early games. So, this week will tell me a lot about how the rest of the season is going to go. And is this team right here truly together behind the scenes and bought in? Or are they going to have to scramble to win one this weekend in Missouri? Kip, where does Georgia go from here? Again, as we've said throughout the show, you start thinking about what needs to happen big picture. And – Finding out what you have on the roster right now is is paramount. Obviously, at the quarterback position, but you want to see what you have, at, at, you know, from your your pass catchers as well. Uh, you've had some injuries now, and just looking back at this game again, we've said this multiple times, but the offense probably looks different if Dominic Blaylock's out there, and, and you started to see, you know, some very positive things from Marcus Rosemary Jack Saint. Jermaine Burton has, has, has been here, you know, made some plays here and there, some consistency with him. I mean, this, this is a great opportunity for him to kind of step up, get more reps, and, and really, you know, carve out a role long-term on this offense. And, again, not knowing where George Pickens is injury-wise, there are opportunities here for other guys that, to really step up. I mean, if, if Arian Smith is – it's getting closer to being healthy, you know, maybe he can get some snaps in there and, and see what he can bring to the table, knowing that he's only going to get better once he's, he's fully healthy and, and 
able to use his explosiveness. I think, you know, one thing that it's interesting last year, the last couple of years, everyone, you know, the, the overall thought process on Georgia's offense is, you know, they can't really push the ball downfield that well. They don't throw the ball downfield enough. And, and really this year, it's kind of been the opposite that they throw the ball downfield a lot, but unsuccessfully, you know, they're not having success doing it. I mean, with, with Stetson in there, he, his choice is to push the ball downfield even when he's not doing, you know, having a lot of success there. And so you haven't really seen a lot of passes, you know, short of the sticks, a lot of checkdowns. And there are plays to be made there as well. There have been guys that have been open there as well. So will other guys being potentially being able to take snaps at quarterback, you know, this week and the coming weeks, Will that lead to maybe other parts of the offense opening up and, and aspects that we haven't seen so far this year? That I mean, that that's something that is still possible. There's still a chance for this offense to continue evolving. And while at this point of the season, I mean, I'll just be be honest, it's maybe the the poorest offense in Kirby Smart's tenure overall. Um, from top to bottom, the production is worse than it was his first first year as head coach and there's a lot that's gone into that you know there there's a quarterback that's not on the roster that he probably expected to be the starter in Jamie Newman and at this point you have other quarterbacks you can take a look at and see if they can give you a little bit more of what you originally were hoping to have under Todd Monken and so it's it's really tough to to give Todd Monken, a, a grade at this point in the, in the season because it just the quarterback play has not been there, and it's pretty clear that, that that is paramount to success in this league, experience and, and just overall quarterback play, and it just hasn't been there for Georgia. Although at the point of that Marcus Rosemey uh, touchdown, it, it was it was going fairly well. It's tough to see two players hurt on on a, on a on a touchdown play at the same time. That's just the way it went. But overall, in the season, though, it hasn't been where it, it could be, and I still think that the possibility is there for for this offense to, you know, to really pick it up and get some momentum going into the the end of the season, going in the bowl game. And if you find someone that you think can get the job done for you, at quarterback, then again, that potential is there for for this to be one of the league's better offenses next year, just because of all these guys that they have coming back that we have talked about with Dominic Blaylock coming back with these tight ends, the young tight ends coming back, the pass catchers coming back. I mean, everything's, everything's there for this team to, to have a lot of success offensively. Uh, it, it just really boils down to, to figuring out, you know, who, who's throwing those passes and, and getting on the same page there. I know a lot of people talked about, Zemir White only getting what six six carries after that that first touchdown run, but it was clear Florida loaded the box at that point. I mean they had eight in the box the whole game. So for Todd Monken, I mean he was call, he was making the right calls. I mean you'd like to see Zemir get more you know more carries the rest of the game because coming out the Kentucky game, and these are two games where he's he's making the most out of every touch. But I really think the personnel dictated you know what Georgia was doing. Uh, more so than the game kind of getting out of hand for a while. I, I think that 
the plays were there to be made. They weren't made. And now you go back and, and you just try to, to dial it up and get on the same page uh, at quarterback, you know, heading into a, a pretty interesting game at Missouri. I, I think that it, it, it bodes well for Georgia's offense to, to get, you know, back on the right foot. But we're all going to be watching to see who's throwing those passes. You know, I think the the what you got to do from here on out is you got to kind of put the the strong emotions behind you, the anger, the frustration, maybe some disappointment. You just got to put those behind you. And I think if you're Georgia, if you're the coaching staff, I think you need to try and have some fun. And I think that would be very good for this team. You know, listen, with Georgia in control of its own destiny for the past three years, there's a lot of pressure that comes with that. And I know Kirby Smart does the whole pressure is a privilege thing, whatever, but pressure creates cracks. And there's been a lot of pressure on this team. And, and listen, they made their bed. Kirby said that too, and he's 100% right. But, you know, I think just maybe kind of almost like they did last year for the bowl game with so many guys missing is just kind of get the competition, get to having fun playing the sport, um, maybe let it all hang out a little bit, maybe open up some competitions even more so than, than, than they would have appeared to other players. And, and you let these guys just kind of get after it, get after each other, make each other better, um, you know, experiment a little bit. Um, you know, listen, I think Todd Monk has done a fantastic job. I mean, you look at the passes that were dropped, the wide open guys all over the field, you got to be able to hit those. You just got to be able to hit those. If you want to win, you've got to be able to hit those. You don't see Mac Jones and Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and uh, so on and so on and so on just not give their receivers a chance to catch the football in so many situations. And and, and quite frankly, Georgia's going to have to catch them when they hit them in the hands too. I mean, they had a, had a couple of those. And, um, you know, uh, three drive starters to tight ends, none of them completed all of them to open guys. And, and there was one good throw, one bad throw, and one could have been better throw. So, you know, those are all things that, that you've got to get better at and you've got to improve upon. And I think one thing that will really help this team is just to kind of maybe, maybe a little bit more of an extended sample size, a larger sample size of, of teaching them what it's like just to kind of relax, play the game they love, and, and get after it. And I think it would – I honestly expect uh, something like that to yield some really strong results because Georgia's got athletes – They've got guys who fly around and make plays. They've got guys who love the sport. They've got a lot of good guys on that team um, that, you know, your Eric Stokes and Kiaris Jacksons of the world that you can't help but root for. And uh, I think, you, you know, uh, Zamir White, all of those guys. And um, I, I just – I'm not saying you start looking towards next year because that's not fair to the guys in their final year. You know, those guys have spent, you know, three and a half years on your campus, four and a half years on your campus thus far. And – you owe it to them to kind of stick to the process and make sure that you send them out on a high note. But at the same time, um, you know, kind of changing things up a little bit, maybe loosening up on the, on the reins a, a tad and, and just, you know, tell that horse to go, Hey, fly, just take off and, and, and go where it may lead you and, uh, and, and just have some fun playing the sport. And I think that'd be really good for this team. And, um, you know, we're going to have it all covered for you, and, and especially that quarterback situation. And if anything pops, we may be back with an emergency podcast this week. We really don't know. But more than likely, we'll be back with you on Thursday 
to uh, to talk about this game, this Georgia-Missouri game at length, and make our predictions and, and all that stuff, crazy stuff going on in the SEC, COVID outbreaks at Texas A&M and LSU. Uh, the, the college football or the SEC is experiencing its second COVID week of the year. And, uh, and and there may be more to talk about as far as that's concerned. But for this episode of the Junkyard Dogcast, I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. They're Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell from the same place. You guys take it easy. <laughs>